looking back at the best of Saturday racing from around the country and examining the major talking points of the day, this is Pass the Post, brought to you by Archer Park Racing, taking racing ownership to the next level. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to Pass the Post. It's Sunday, September 19. We've passed the post yesterday. Of course, this racing just keeps getting bigger and better every Saturday as we head towards October and November. Of course, yesterday, the... Group 1, Sir Rupert Clark at Caulfield. And a very special win for the jockey there. Uh, Randwick, of course, we had the George Main and an expected result. And, of course, an important stepping stone along to the Everest in a month's time with the running of the shorts. We'll talk about that very shortly. Great racing also at the Gold Coast was Pink Ribbon Day. And, of course, Morfield as well. We had the Wiley Stakes. Ben Dorries, good morning. Yeah, good morning, Dave. Good to see you back from Cairns in one piece. E- exactly right. I, I hadn't been at the, the Pink Ribbon Day Last year I was on holidays, but there was a sea of pink there yesterday. But there is no doubt that Steve Lyons stole the show with that suit he was wearing. Yeah, the Gold Coast uh, CEO, he was uh, spectacular. He dead set looked like one of the village people, I thought. That was just tremendous stuff from him. But, look, there was a bit of controversy too. There's a lot of salmon there. Now, salmon isn't pink. I mean, Brett Cook, the chairman down there, was wearing a suit. Dead set, not pink, but salmon. I mean, it's pink ribbon race day. It's not salmon ribbon race day. And salmon was there as well. Yeah, Dave Salmon, yeah, exactly. our boss. But uh, I think as far as you said, the village people with Steve Lyons, I think the omen tip yesterday was looks like Elvis because <laughs> that's a poor version of Elvis, but uh, he exceeded himself. He uh, he was uh, best on ground, no risk at all. But we'll talk more about the Gold Coast later on because there were some good performances there yesterday as well. But let's firstly go to Royal Rambic and we'll concentrate. I said yesterday on, on radio, the George Bain was the group one, but uh, in some respects, I think the race that everyone was waiting for was the shorts. Uh, a key lead-up, a key lead-up to the Everest in a month's time. Nature's Trip was the favourite at $2.10, and here's the replay. Now they're locking horns around the turn. Nature Strip on the inside of Eduardo. Stride for stride. Nature Strip, the inside of Eduardo. Three lengths away to Geechar running on. Rothfire starting to close in. Mask Crusader still back last. Nature Strip trying to palm off Eduardo. It's Nature Strip a neck on Eduardo. Rothfire's battling. Geechar is looking to come through the middle. Nature Strip's kicking from Eduardo. Nature Strip just in front. Eduardo's lifting the outside. Eduardo lays it down. Under Nature Strip and Eduardo won it. Eduardo in a gripping finish to the shorts. Ran down Nature Strip. Geetra third, Rothfire fourth. No run-ons. Followed behind then by Handle the Truth. Adalong, Mask Crusader and Lost and Running. Well, that was the shorts yesterday. Eduardo stared down Nature Strip and beat him. But we've seen him do it before, so it wasn't a surprise. Joe Pride's the trainer and he's joining us on Past the Post. Joe... Firstly, congratulations. In isolation, a great win in itself on the way he did it, but also what a wonderful lead-up for the, the big dance in a month's time. Yeah, sure. You know, specifically sort of tailored the, the preparation around having him peak on uh, on Everest Day. Um, and it was something we sort of worked out with him last preparation um, going into the Galaxy. And so he sort of gets a similar similar setup here. He'll be, um, he'll be four weeks between runs instead of three, but he'll have a trial... Um, in between, and, and that will just have him ready to go on on, um, on the big day. That rain that seemed to uh, certainly wasn't forecast and seemed to come out of almost nowhere. How much did uh, I'm sure you would have gone in that race fairly confident anyway? But how much did that boost your confidence levels in the, the sort of preceding 90 minutes? Yeah, sure. Look, it probably made it hard for a few of them, particularly uh, the ones who were first up for, for a substantial amount of time. Um, and we had that residual fitness off a of a Brisbane winter to help us, um, but. Uh, yeah, certainly. It's a good thing about my horse. He's very versatile, and he uh, he's run a track record 
at Ramacon on on a firm two, and he's also now won, you know, at the, at the top level on, on on a wet track as well, winning on the Galaxy, and then again yesterday. So sort of nothing bothers him too much, but it certainly probably does bother his opposition a little bit. So a wet track on Everest Day wouldn't be the wouldn't be the worst thing for us, would it? I mean, he keeps doing things at the highest level. We see it time and time again. But do you still think, even maybe after yesterday, maybe yesterday's changed things a bit, but do you still think that sometimes he lives in a shadow, that he's, that he's not rated or not respected as highly as he should be? I know you do, but, but he always seems to be sort of in that shadow of nature strip. Yeah, look, and I, I'd like to think he's probably cast that off now, but at the same time, I've got to say, I enjoyed the preparation going into yesterday, not being the <laughs> focus, you know, and it's um, it's something that, uh, you know, a lot of footy, footy football coaches are the same. They don't want to be the, the, the focus of everyone's attention. And uh, as I say, it enjoyed it. And it made the win um, also, I think, even more enjoyable as well, knowing that he you know, potentially isn't recognised. And, and, and I'm tipping we'll go to the Everest the same way. You know, mm. People who don't, I wouldn't say don't like him, but aren't on his, in his corner will keep finding, you know, reasons why they don't think he can win. And he keeps finding ways to win. So, um a great battle. It was a pretty brutal, I guess, drag race almost with with Nature Street, wasn't it? You really went head to head. Did it take much out of your horse? Like, has he pulled up really well this morning? <laughs> you wouldn't know it this morning. Looking at him, yeah, he's bright as a bright button. This has been a recurring thing for him: is his um, ability to handle tough runs. Uh, he, he's an amazing horse. I mean, what happened in Everest last year could have ended a lot of horses' career. And I know a little bit of commentary for, for some very good judges were saying that he'd never win another race after that. Uh, it was an absolute. Gut buster, and um, you know he returned next preparation to to, to win two Group Ones, um, and that's the, that's the nature of this horse. He's a very tough, durable, uh, extremely fast, and 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 very gutsy horse. It's not often you combine all those attributes in in the one package. We saw him up here, of course, win the ten thousand. You wouldn't call it uh, a dynamic performance, but is it fair to say that he was at the end of his preparation then? I think I think so. Yeah, yeah. Look, I mean, it was. Now, that was fourth run of the prep and on the back of some really big performances early, which were clearly better than that performance. Um, so, yeah, look, it's, it's, it's nice when you can have an off day and win a group one. This is a lot. Speaks volumes for the horse. They were calling it the, the Everest dress rehearsal or a mini Everest yesterday. I think you would have taken heart out of the fact that your horse performed, you know, excellently, but some didn't go as well and that doesn't all go well for them in a month's time. Yeah, look, it's probably a tough road there for a few horses now, and that was always going to be the way. There were always going to be horses that were going to to hit the hit the the ground running, and then others that are going to build into it, and then others that probably won't make it at all. So um, I'm happy to be in the hit the ground running category. And um, yeah, look, I, I, I'll try not to focus too much on anything else. Also, over the next month, I've got a job to do. The team and I to, to just keep um, Eduardo ticking over. And Nash spoke to him this morning. He's absolutely over the moon with him. So he's a big part of the team. And um, fingers crossed, he'd, you know, he doesn't get it suspended <laughs> or anything to take him out of the way because he's he's just integral to the source performing at his at, at his absolute optimum. Oh, it's actually that was going to be my next question, Joe. Just tell us, a, uh, give our listeners a bit of an insight into the relationship between Nash and this horse because he really does seem to have the the key to him. Is it his vigorous style of riding that Eduardo likes, or is it something something off the track, or, or what is it? Look, he only ever links up with him race day. You know, he doesn't ride him in any work or anything like that. So. I think it's just something that we see on race day. It's just a, you know, chemistry is probably a bit of a lame way to put it, but there's, there's something between the two of them that, that they, you know, they suit each other. Um, Nash has an amazing confidence in his ability. And when I spoke to him, Nash, he said he was giving uh, he was giving Eduardo a breather between the 600 and the 300. 
we giving giving a horse a breather. He's running ten threes, ten fours, <laughs> and going with nature strip, and he's having a breather. Like, ooh, <laughs> some kind of horse, you know. Yeah. Uh, so, and, but he is like he's actually backing off that pace. He's an amazing. Well, I don't know. That I, I always had Terra Vista ahead of him, but I think after yesterday, I've got to promote this horse ahead and 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 say that he is the best horse that I've ever trained. So. John Massara is a very smart man, and when he chose Eduardo for Arrowfield and the Star Casino, his reasoning was. He wanted a horse that would be the most competitive. Or this horse, I mean, you know, he doesn't run a bad race, um, uh, wet or wet or dry, and really, where some horses might be affected by a, a, a barrier in the Everest, uh, that's lesser for him because we know he's got this great speed. So, you know, it, it's it's easy to talk him up after a win, but for everyone to see for some time, hasn't it about this horse? It has, yeah, and, and people tend to overlook the obvious, you know, and they were looking for sources that were coming through the grades and looking good, but um, sources have been at this level now for mm. 12 months, and uh, there's a lot to be said for that. The toughness that comes when you've been at that at the level for a while, and you saw yesterday in this race, tough conditions, fast run right up with the three grand circuit horses going into it, three horses that have been there before and done it before. There's, there's a lot to be said for that, and punters often overlook that. Is um, not that it's a matter for you to comment on uh, other horses, but outside of the obvious, you know, your horse in Nature Strip, was there a run that you saw in the shorts yesterday, or is there another a runner that's been signed up for the Everest that you, you sort of think, you know, they're a red hot chance as well? Is there, is there something outside of the obvious? Do you think? I, I thought it yesterday, and I haven't changed my mind. Mask Crusaders, the the horse to, to beat. If I was, if I if I'm worried about any horse, it's about him because I think he's, I think he's taken really good improvements since the autumn. I think yesterday's race. Um, wasn't the right style of race for him. Doesn't look right in the coat yet, but when he does, he'll be hard to beat in a month's time. He's, he's, he's definitely the one that we have to worry about. Eduardo's an eight-year-old. He's only had you know, 22 starts for nine wins. Physically, is he easy to manage? Is he a, a sound horse? Yeah, 100%. Yeah, you know, he's really easy to manage. Um, very straightforward in his approach. To his work. Just keep things the same for him. He likes Maxine taking care of him, and he likes Michelle riding him every morning. It's an all-girl all team approach around him, and he just absolutely loves life. So uh, he's, he's one of the easy ones. I don't have to put too much too much thought into Eduardo. He does it all for me. Mm. I think the theme of the interview this morning is uh, people do obviously sometimes ignore them. Uh, he showed that yesterday. $7 now for the Everest, so at least the market is starting to respect him in from 13. Just before you go, quick word on Private Eye. Yeah, look, I, I think his run was a lot better than possibly his finishing position would suggest. He was only beaten a length and a half. I'll keep making excuses for the source because I did it last week, but I, that wasn't the right style of racer. And having to, he got on his bike a little bit too early and I think just took the sting out of his finish. Um, wasn't a day for run on horses, and I think he'd be a lot better suited two weeks' time in a, in a fast run episode. Good on you, Joe. We hope we talk to you again sooner than later. Great. My pleasure. Thanks, guys. Joe Pride joining us this morning. The trainer of Eduardo, who won the shorts yesterday. So in the wash-up to yesterday, Eduardo gets a tick. Nature Strip was beaten fairly and squarely by Eduardo, but we've seen them go back to the, the challenge in March when Eduardo gave it to him and they ran a, a track record. But um, he will... Will he lose at Himara's Nature Strip or not for that defeat, in terms of an Everest? Yeah, I don't think so. Um, yeah, I, I don't think his colours were well, his colours were lower, but but not too much. His best is is absolutely brilliant, and um, you know we're likely to see that in the Everest. I thought um, outside of the top two, I thought G Tra uh, was very good. Probably the unlucky runner uh, to some extent of the race, and Rothfire was never a winning chance. 
uh, beaten three and a half lengths, but I watched the race standing next to Robert Heathcote on the and he was wrapped uh, with that horse, uh, you know, first up for almost a year and on an unsuitable track. When the rain came, it really uh, didn't help Rothfire and the great news is that Rothfire has pulled up a treat this morning um, and it's onwards and upwards to the premiere in a couple of weeks. So... That went from that wasn't uh, didn't sort of fire in sense of you know in the terms of a winning chance yesterday, uh, but after so so long off and on a track which you really didn't appreciate, I thought it was a very definite pass mark, probably better than the pass mark to be honest. Yeah, I, I agree. He held his ground well. I thought he was he was good, Rothfire. Not very good, but he was good. Just interesting. I know you watched the race with with, with Rob Heathcote. I could see it uh, from the broadcast box. How was he during the race? During the race, he was okay. Uh, he was as nervous as a kitten before the race. I, I don't think I've ever seen him... Well, I don't think nervous is the right word. He was anxious. Um, he just didn't quite know what to expect. I think it was a firm track. He would have been less anxious. But when that uh, he, he was concerned. He just didn't quite know what to expect. So I think um, I've, I've described it in a story that I've, I've written for Racing It today as probably the most satisfying fourth placing of his career. Let's go further down the line before we finish off on the shorts. Master Crusader, that was interesting... Joe Pride's comments, he thought that was uh, a little concerned or worried about. Beat margin five and a quarter lengths. It's a bit to be beaten by, isn't it? Yeah. I Considering was, they were going hard up front. I thought he was okay without being tremendous. But I can, you can see, you, you know that horse is sensational when he's at his best. Mm. And uh, no doubt the horse will have him peaking for Everest Day. Uh, bigger, potentially even more pace or, or more speed runners. Uh, he'll get his chance. I certainly wouldn't drop, drop off him. Lost and running. Gee whiz, had a bit of a torrid run, but um, I'll tell you what, uh, you couldn't possibly be there uh, having an Everest bet, could you? And it'd be interesting to see what they do. Yeah, he was beaten eight and three-quarter lengths uh, officially, and he's out to $21. Four fifty. classic legend, the, the one we still haven't seen yet, $6. Eduardo at seven, Guitra seven, Mask Crusader eight, Rothfire nine, and uh, Lost and Running, as we mentioned, 21. Still five spots to fill. Yep, uh, be absolutely fascinating, and we'll get another guide, won't we, in the premiere in a couple of weeks. And it will, some of these horses we won't see fall straight into the Everest, but some we will. We are getting to the pointy end of things now. Let's go to the group one, the George Main. Rachel King hasn't gone for him as yet but Rio Denny slipped five lengths clear Think It Over gets going the outside very elegant the inside she's still six off the lead, Rio Denny's trying to pinch it, Think It Over is trying to relax success, he's giving chase Rio Denny two in front of Think It Over very elegant, she's starting a motor now Rio Denny being tackled by very elegant and the great mare wins a ninth group one, home best in the George Main, very elegant beat Rio Denny and Think It Over, then came Hungry Heart from Cascadia and Further back to Star of the Sea, long intervals, Lions Roar, and Colding is weak and right out of it. Well, very elegant. Another Group 1 victory. Um, Chris Waller labelling her a champion yesterday. That's a big statement to come from Chris because he's very reserved in his judgment, uh, but uh, she she deserved it in his mind. I'm sure most of would think the same thing, as does our next guest. So I think we've had on the show before, after a very elegant win, one of the part owners, Glenn Klebo. Glenn, good morning. Good morning, guys. How are you? How have you pulled up this morning? Did you have a big night last night? Uh, yeah, I, I, I'm pretty sure just as well lockdown's on, actually, because we couldn't all get together. So we had a few, yes. <laughs> Mate, the, the great ride keeps continuing. Yeah, um, yeah. I must admit, we had, you know, I had a few um, sort of issues with her coming around the corner when the other jockey seemed to try to box her in on the, the fence, but... As she keeps on doing and proves us wrong, those last 100 metres, she just, she, you know, it's just like another horse getting in front of her. 
It's interesting. Those early days with uh, with very elegant. I remember talking to a first track work writer uh, for a story I wrote last year, and yep. she said she was an absolute nightmare. She was like a little time bomb ready to explode. She used to buck every time oh, yeah. she got on her back. And you, just yeah. extraordinary, isn't yeah. it, that you've gone from that to a nine-time Group One winner? Yeah, and a lot of it's got to go down to and then Chris and um, Chris Harmon, the, the stable trainer, and James McDonald. I think they. The patience um, I've had with her, I can remember, um, um, and she was with Darren Weir's um, stable, and he done a, a great job of keeping an order. I can remember when Chris picked her up after the Darren Fear, Weir Fear type situation. He goes, yeah, she's come to us in beautiful nick. And she had some, um, the three-year-old we knew, we had something, but she was very, and lucky on the, the three-year-old the three-year-old career, there's quite a few wet, wet tracks around um at Rosehill and Ramwick in those days, um, and she she copped that, that autumn, which we um, um, got those tracks, which suited her. And then, but I can remember Chris saying to me when she had a bit of a spell of it, played up a little bit more, and the, you know, everyone started to worry. And then she won the Hill Stakes, and then got into um, the um, the Cox Plate, and basically didn't fire in the Cox Plate. But I can remember. Chris saying to us, he goes, Glenn, he says, it's like a 19 taking on um, the big boys in the, the Olympics, the season athletes in the Olympics. He said, let's just get her home and uh, work with her. And he sent her up to the, the farm, one of Black, Black, I think it's Black Oak Lodge, and they done a lot of equestrian work with her. And from then, she, um, she, she's always going to have a hike. She's settled a bit more. Obviously, she doesn't like a lot of horses around her, and she's she was showed that yesterday. A temperament's... It's quite funny. Like, a temperament... Um, I think what James said yesterday, she just wants to get on and get, get on and get it done, you know? It's like... And as Chris said, she must, she must enjoy it. And we've been, we've been very lucky, and the only unlucky part of it is a lot of the owners have been able to... Or none of the owners have been able to really get over there in the last couple of years to actually watch her. But um, we've had a bit of a ball back here, no doubt about that. That's what I was going to say to you, Glenn. Uh, this COVID situation has been going for 18 months now. When was the last time you were actually yeah. here live? To... We saw her in the Ramvick at... Um, um, the no, Transwick at um, Rose... Uh, was it Rose Hill or Ramwick? That was when he backed her up. The Tancred. Um, the Tancred, yeah. Yeah, Rose when he Hill. backed her up. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was the last time we... And then we thought we'd get across this year type situation. We, we still... I think that the borders might open type thing, but the biggest thing here was we've got we we can't get back home. Mm. <laughs> we've got to, yeah, we've got to go to two two weeks of isolation. There's no MIQ um, facility or um, until after February. And there's uh, another very good horse. It's uh, it not come out of the woodwork, but uh, has really stamped himself. Uh, a horse called Zaki, who a lot of, a lot of people are now saying could be yeah. the best horse in Australia. But I'm assuming. You, right. you and your mayor would have something to say about that. Yeah, we've, we've we've talked about it, and even James has talked about. It. Don't worry about Zaki. Told us don't worry about Zaki. I mean, you're not going to come across him until the Cox Plate. That was early because we you know, we wanted a jockey that would probably go all the way through this year. So we, um, James Wallace decided um, with us basically on here in Sydney. Um, and it was, we, then we're lucky to get Damien Lane down and. Um, Melbourne to, to ride her in the, when she goes to Melbourne. But, um, yeah, look, 
when they when Jackie went up in Brisbane, I thought, boy, here we go, look at this. But when you went through that field that she beat, she didn't beat out. But then over the 1,400 metres at Rangwick the other week, and then she went bang, and I went, yeah, yeah she's a very good horse, you know. Very good horse, no doubt about that. But, um, look, we've seen we've seen very elegant go with a game, and I put Jackie in that same sort of um, mould, um, and we know what the fights have had down the straight. So, yeah, hopefully if they get together, which looks like, yeah, it could be the Cox Plate, um, they'll, they'll go for it. But there'll be a lot of other good horses in it as well. So I think there's a, there's a lot of, there, there are a lot of good horses in Australia at the moment. No doubt about that. Some of the, the, the taking a little bit of a, a back step and some of the buildings that are coming through, the Colts coming through. Exactly right. Glad we've run out of time. But look, thanks for your time this morning. You can tell your punters are uh, very elegant brothers running t- today at Tirapa, at um, Tiaro, um, the older brother. So you want to cut the bucks. At, I think she's in, um, he's in pretty good nick. What's his name? Very Flash. Very Flash. <laughs> we'll check all this out. We, right. lo- we love a tip. Thanks, mate. Thanks for your time. <laughs> okay, cheers. Bye-bye. There he is, Glenn Clemo, the... One of the part owners are very elegant. 14 wins from 31 and has earned almost $10 million in prize money. Now $7 for the Cox Plate in from eight. Yeah, can't wait for that Cox Plate. It, uh, there may be no winks anymore and there may potentially be no crowd, but gee whiz, that Cox Plate will be a ripper. Exactly. Now, I'm going to make an executive decision here. We've got a special guest coming up and we've got to uh, accommodate him at a certain time. To There's a couple of other races I want to have a listen to and have a chat with Ben about. But look, let's switch our attention to Caulfield. The big one was the Rupert Clark. Great handicap here and a great finish. Here's the replay. Buffalo River by a half length. The groundswell getting closer. Azar peels three wide. Bo Rossa sits and waits. And then Dice Roll getting down. Four off the lead from Probabile. Then Irish Flame regards Marie. I'm Thunderstruck. Still third last. Groundswell Buffalo River with now Bo Rossa, Azar and Dice Roll all queuing up. Probabile Behemoth behind those horses across the track. Azar, Bo Rossa and Dice Roll at the 150. Sierra Sue running on. Di- Sierra Sue's coming at Dice Roll. Sierra Sue beat Dice Roll and I'm Thunderstruck late for third. They were followed by Azar and Probabile. Next, Dallas San Amish Boy Behemoth. Further back was Bo Rossa, Buffalo River Irish Flame Romances, Samazdat Ground Swell punctured up Poland and regards Marie. Some days in your life you don't forget, good or bad. Well, our next guest, very good because not only was his first Group 1 win in Australia, but it was his birthday yesterday. Daniel Moore is joining us the rider of Sierra Sioux. Congratulations, Daniel. What a day it was. Yeah, it was fantastic. Thanks uh, Thanks very much. Yeah, now, before yesterday, before Sierra Sioux's group, I went yesterday, what was your biggest win in Australian racing? Jeez, uh, I've ridden a few Group 2s. Um, you know, a lot of listed in Group 3 races. Hard to sort of pick one out, but... Um, yeah, no. Obviously, this uh, this one's the the cherry on the on the top. Yeah, just wrap to get it um, off the bucket list, I suppose. Yeah, had you gone closer to Group One before? Yeah, I ran second on uh, under the Louvre, beating a lip uh, in an Oakley Plate. So, yeah, I had a couple of couple of swings at it, but sort of always been riding the the lightweight sort of outside mm. of chances in in most Group Ones. So, um, yeah, it was Group One ride uh, in this particular race years ago on a horse for Tom Hughes. So, it was nice to make this one the winner. Uh, Daniel, I know you very well. I wouldn't have thought you would be the sort of character to, to burst into tears, but they were <laughs> fabulous scenes after the race. They were the scenes of the day. Can you just give us an insight 
into your emotions? Obviously, you were thinking about you know how far you come in racing, but just just uh, just take us into your mind those few minutes after the race. Yeah, well, I'm sort of normally the bloke on the end of it, sort of shit cannon whoever's doing <laughs> doing the crime, but. It, it, yeah, it just sort of hits you. It's more—I think it was more of a relief than anything. You know, you just wonder when it's going to happen. I thought this year, seeded with uh, good three-year-olds and, and some probably better stock this this season to to try and have a crack at a big one. I thought this was my, de- my best chance this season, and uh, I sort of was head down, bum up on the line, and got a horrific um, record when it comes to photo finishes or, or getting them right. Um, so I left it alone. I think when I come back and just saw the number in the frame, it, it, your whole life sort of hits you um, to achieve something that, that you you know, this is why we get up in the morning, group one, this is why we're in racing. And to finally knock it over after such a long wait in Australia anyway, um, you know, it was just sort, of, just sort of hit me and I'm just really proud of the horse. She, she was tough and I just wanted a minute with her and it was, it was good, you know. I, I'm paying for it now. I've had a million text messages saying, um, you know, <laughs> You're a bobber. Do you want a box of tissues? But uh, you know, it, it was only a couple of couple of uh, couple of tears or something. I think um, I think it was a pretty blustery day. So I think it was a bit of hay fever as well. What about, what about? Let's give the mayor some credit. She's been a bit of a revelation because we know she's always been a good mayor. We didn't see the best of her up here during the winter, but since going back, I mean, she won that race at Mildura the Cup. Then she's won the Group Two Lawrence and unlucky in the field. And then Group One yesterday, she's she's turned a pretty big corner. Yeah, it's a pretty, um, you know, to, I'm a big fan of getting horses, you know, back to winning ways. And going to Mildura obviously did that for her. She just mm. kicked off well and, and then just sort of, once mares sort of, sort of find that vein of form, as you know, they, they tend to go on with it. And I'm just wrapped that she didn't win the fan the other day because she probably doesn't win, uh, she probably cops a bit more weight. But um, no, I think she, I've got a sneaky suspicion she might have spelled in Queensland and She's, uh, you know, it's a beautiful part of the world up there. We all spell pretty well there, and and a lot of Victorian horses do really well when they spell up there, and they they come back, uh, you know, with a bit of sun on their back and in a bit better mood than. Do you think with the, the spring coming up now, it's obviously a very different landscape. Sydney jockeys, uh, it looks impossible for them to get to Melbourne for the spring, and obviously there's been some very high high profile suspensions of some some star jockeys down there. Is that likely, and combined with your Group 1 success yesterday, is that likely to open a few more doors, get you know, get you a few more good horses, do you think, this spring? Um, yeah, I'm hopeful. Uh, it seems to have sort of had a little bit of effect. We've got some sort of bookings and some nice races going forward at the moment. But I think maybe, um, you know, just focusing as I was, you know, sticking with those that are loyal to me. Obviously, I'm going to take any opportunity that arises, but more so just sort of stuck with me um, before yesterday, I guess, and, and, and really you know, putting their neck on the line to put me on their horses and whatnot. I mean, I'm not going to blow me on trumpet, but I'm, I think I'm pretty bloody serviceable. And like uh, like yesterday showed, if you can get... It's all about opportunity. If you can get the right opportunity, well, you're a, you're a shout. Talk about the race itself yesterday because she drew the, the middle of the line and from a lateral view, it, 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 it looks like she had three wide cover. But I reckon at one point coming up to the turn, she might have been out four wide. Am I right or wrong? Yeah, no, you're right there. Um, sort of... Went back to the days of when I was riding for Brian Mayfield Smith. He was he was very good to me early. He was big on, uh, especially with, if you haven't got any weight on your back. He was big on just being in a spot that you wanted to be, and and we were, um, but we were covering ground. But he often used to say to me, "Look, I want you fifth, sixth in the run. I don't care if you're three or four wide or whatever. Just in a flowing rhythm." And I tried to get her into a flowing rhythm, but there was a lot of a uh, lot of bumpers. Proper Group One rock and roll yesterday. They um, they really, the boys were on on song and. Um, no quarter was given, but 
I just I, I was really concerned sort of coming to the turn that you know that bumping sort of down the side there might have taxed her. I just tried to keep it together and really sort of wanted to make the whip the last resort because I knew. And uh, no, you're right, we did cover a bit of ground, but um, you know she was she was lucky she was able to absorb that with the weight that she had and. Obviously, a few unlucky runners, whereas we, we had a chance to, to build and, and do what we did. Yeah, she, she, I reckon, like, at the 200 metres, she was probably eighth or ninth. Not that she was far off them, but, gee, she really made the last part of the race. It was a, it was a typical handicap, wasn't it? A big field and very competitive. Yeah, it was. And, it, and like I mentioned in a couple of interviews, it was a, I reckon it was the best edition of the Rupert Clark we've seen in a long time. You know, you, you had younger horses on the way up. You had established sort of Group 1 stars, wait for age Group 1 horses in there, and um, a bit tricky this year. It was sort of, um, it wasn't the, the super spread that, that I've seen it in years gone by. So, yeah, it was a proper addition and, and worthy of, of a million dollar race and a Group One. Two left field quick questions uh, to, to finish up. The Group One in Mauritius, you won. You know, do you have any favourite memories or, or any colourful memories for the for the listeners of our show? You nickname buckets. It's fairly well known the origins of that in Victoria, but I don't reckon a lot of our listeners uh, would uh, would know the origins of that nickname. Yeah, um, well, the group one in, in Mauritius was absolutely madness. There's, they jam about 20,000 people into a race course of Maui. Um, the, the track's only 1,300 metres around. Um, it's just a cauldron of, of hype. And the, the supporters support stables there like they do sort of soccer teams, and they are just absolutely crazy. So it, it was huge, but... Um, yeah, no, it was obviously um, one in Victoria was 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 a great feeling and getting to the nickname. Well, yeah, I, I I had a tough tough old boss years ago. My first boss, Ray Lawson, and I uh, I was from the bush and I was a bit lazy. And I used to lob to work late on occasions. We used to start at sort of two thirty, three o'clock back in those days, and I uh, sort of ran out of of punishments for me turning up to work sort of five ten minutes late. <laughs> and uh, the last one um, was. He'd sit me on a bucket out the front of the stables and tell me to count every horse that went past and I'd have to write it down. And, and jockeys like Jason Patton, Eddie Kasser and, and all those boys down there were going, oh, there he is, old bucket boy sitting on his bucket. Sort of stuck because I realised if, if, if I got out of work, if I uh, if I got out of bed five minutes late, well, I didn't have to write work on one. So that went on for about a month. <laughs> <or eight. laughs> well, anyway, your group one buckets after yesterday. Thanks for fitting us in this morning. Really appreciate it. And, and again, congratulations on yesterday. No worries, boys. Thanks for having me on. Appreciate it. Daniel Moore, the rider of Sierra, to Nat Young a few weeks ago when she won the PB Lawrence, but she has turned a corner. I mean, she came up here, didn't fire, fair to say, and she was big odds, but all of a sudden she's now a Group 1 and Group 2 winner. If you had told me a few months ago that she'd go to Melbourne and peel off a Group 1, I would have said you were completely crazy. But just quickly, Daniel Moore, I'm biased here, one of good contacts in racing. He is an absolute ripper, absolute ripper bloke, absolute ripper jockey, and for all the... All the nonsense that we've heard recently with these jockey suspensions in uh, Melbourne, I would love to see someone like a D Moore and, and jockeys of his ill get some more opportunities in the next couple of months. Well, I'm right in saying I've never spoken to him before, but I like just being a fair income bloke. Yeah, just a, just a great yeah. bloke. And, you know, despite uh, what he said about being lazy back in the day and the bucket's nickname, he certainly hasn't been lazy for the last 20 years. He's gone here, there and everywhere and, and done everything required of him. So he's uh, it was a terrific result. And I love to see the emotion in racing, you know, mm. the, the tears and what it actually means to them. It was fabulous, David. About the race, dice roll, very good in running second. But the third horse, that was an outstanding oh, performance. Wow, we on Thunderstruck. I mean, from the wide gate, jag back to last. Um, arguably, you could have made a case, should have won. Um, but that is uh, that was some sort of trial for a, for a Golden Eagle, for instance, wasn't it?
Drew 16 of 16, stay mother and flew home. Uh, the, the big guns as far as pre-race talk, Probabile, Bo Rossa, uh, Behemoth, they were just behind the place getters. Uh, wouldn't call any of them desperately unlucky. No, they weren't. Um, just, probably just past mark slash modest runs, but I don't think they're buried. Like, they drew barrier one, two and three, those were all. It's like Probabile sort of getting you know buried away on the fence. Probably wasn't the place to be uh, for her, I guess. Wasn't a good race for Craig Williams. He got a suspension, 10 meetings, but they can defer it, so he'll do it after riding Zaki next Saturday in the under. But, of course, he'll ride it on Mooney Valley on Friday night. Uh, but he'll, will, he will miss turpers out of the stewards' room as far as, as far as the Sir Rupert Clark was concerned. Look, let's stay with Caulfield. We'll wrap it up and then go back to Randwick. We're all over the shop. I know it's <laughs> we just make it up as we go along. Exactly. How good is it? Exactly. Let's go to, let's go to the Foundation Cup. And the favourite here in a fairly wide betting race was the winner, Nonconformist. In the straight, no effort at the 300. Lee Rose can't get a run at the moment. Mirage Dancer, Nonconformist presenting, and they were followed by Delphi. No effort at the 200. Nonconformist chasing. Charlie Rose back to the inside, and Delphi running on at the 100. Nonconformist leading. Delphi driving. Nonconformist to neck Delphi. Nonconformist holds on. Nonconformist third. Charlie Rose or Mirage Dancer, followed by Port Guillaume and Mosh Music, and they were followed by Grand Promenade Knights Order and Made Vow and Declare No Effort. Tired. Then Angel of Truth, Realm of Flowers, Japata, Future Score, and Miami Bound was last. Nonconformist into the Caulfield Cup. He's been well managed by Graham Begg. That was only yesterday. He's a five year old. That was his fifth win. And Graham has a great association with Jordan Childs. They teamed up yesterday. Yeah, there was more emotion after that race, too, uh, wasn't there? Because it's uh, been a fair old um, journey from Jordan, uh, for Jordan Childs to get back from injury. And Nonconformist is as honest as. The day is long. Uh, obviously, he gets back up uh, with that. I thought Delphi was terrific too, running uh, second. Looked almost uh, like the winner there at one point, but Nonconformist was just uh, that bit too strong at the end. And they were both firmers for the Caulfield Cup. Nonconformist, 26 down to 15, and Delphi, 34 to 21. Let's go to the last at Caulfield. The how now? Malacorn approaching the corner at the four. Led enchantingly. Chassis three wide. La Mexicana four deep. They're queuing up and they're leaving the fence. There's a run for Night Raid if she's good enough. Geist behind those horses. Then Belciel. Balanipatina's hit a brick wall. Needs a run. Enchantingly at the 200. Joined by Chassis La Mexicana again. Then Geist. Balanipatina. Chassis at the 100. La Mexicana. Balanipatina gets out and explodes. Balanipatina over the top has got up to win. From a head bobber. Chassis all a Mexicana, Geist not beaten far, then Bonds abroad and enchantingly ran a race behind. Yeah, Bella Nipatina winning the last. Another one, of course, who we saw during the winter only once, ran third in the Healy Way game, but since going back, uh, one at Caulfield, second the other day to the Valley, uh, just beaten but uh, made a binge yesterday. Craig Williams riding the last winner. Yeah, um, terrific win, and the, the punters got the chocolates in the last. Gee whiz, Bonham for Tony Gollan uh, was disappointing, obviously 1,200. Uh, short of her best, the the you know the Kiwi Group one winner, but got beaten a long way. Obviously, probably wants a wet track, but just be interesting to see uh, what T Gollan does there. Just before we go off Caulfield, I want to mention Alpine Edge. He ran in the, the Guineas Prelude, unlucky, uh, inconclusive, jump well, led. Craig Williams took a seat that decision because then he never got out in a, what was a slowly run race. Yeah, absolutely. It was uh, it was quite prominent, wasn't he, Alpine Edge? And and you're right, he could have led. And I dare say, you can't say he definitely would have won, but uh, gee whiz, I reckon if he'd have held the lead, 
he would have gone very close. And, um, you know, still well in Guinea's market. So a uh, bit of a, not a forget run, but, yeah, not much went right. Yeah, I'm, I'm not putting words into Toby Edmonds' mouth, but I do think that the, the plan was to use Barrier 1 to full advantage and lead, and that opportunity presented itself, and all of a sudden he's handed up. Um, so... We'll probably die yeah, I think you're right. Uh, I'm not saying he was hard on their backs bolting. He was. He, he seemed to be, you know, under some pressure, but there was just no run. So uh, it is a run that, that we have to uh, forget. That was Caulfield yesterday. Now, let's go back to Royal Randwick. We've covered off on the George Main and the Shorts. Let's go to the feature for the three-year-old fillies. This is the T-Rose. Coming to the turn, it's Rock Lily in front by a half to Swift Witness. Then Mallory on the inside, a four moves ahead, never being kissed. Further back to Chilnaz, Marty the fence, Latino blend pulling out, then came Mokalua. It's Rock Lily tackled now by Swift Witness, and Swift Witness takes the lead from four to the inside. They're clear then from Chill and Latino blend. Swift Witness still the leader from four moves ahead, is surging now on the outside. Four moves ahead, lays it down to Swift Witness, then Mallory. Four moves ahead, goes home best. And four moves ahead, won the Dali T-Rose from Swift Witness and Mallory third, followed by Trashka fourth. Further back, Latino Blend, she's all class, never got into the affair from Mokalua, never being kissed, Robo Deera, dropping out Rock Lily and Naz Marty. Well, she goes to favouritism now for the flight, four moves ahead, $7 down to five, and those that were runner-up, Mallory, 11 down to seven, Swift Witness to nine, and... Uh, I'm sure the extra 200 metres, will she'll appreciate four moves ahead. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I reckon Mallory's the one I want to be on um, going forward into the to the flight, which just never seemed to be... It just always seemed to be off balance. Um, yeah, uh, like for sure, four moves ahead was very, very good. But there's just something about Mallory. I just think she's tapped and there's more to come there. I think, to be fair, there's no standout. No, 100%. Yeah. 100%. There's no, they're not really exciting me that much. No. Can I say that? No. I've well, I don't know. I've said it. Yeah. Let's go to our final replay from Royal Ramick, the Kingston Town. And on Ton shows the way. Fun fact, under a punishing ride and she's ideal. Is about to with spirit reach the outside and shared ambition sticks on. On Ton just shows the way. Getting a tap on the shoulder now from she's ideal. And she's ideal moved up to take the lead away from on Then came Zarek and down the outside is Montefiore. But she's ideal is often gone in the Kingston Town States. She's ideal went up by two lengths to Montefiore. On Ton third, Zarek fourth. Followed then by shared ambition. Back on the inside attorney then came fun fact a gap back to Salino from young rascal master of wine cookaracha spirit rich travel well to the term but really weakened out in the straight to finish last well she's cracked the million dollar barrier now she's ideal she was very good on the wings first up she was solid in the Chelmsford but she was quite dominant there yesterday and she's now the $4.50 favourite for the Metro. Yeah, terrific win. Nice run. I reckon Monophilia is a bit like my first girlfriend. Just a real tease. I just, yeah, she's nominated for all the, uh, you know, all the big races and no doubt there's class there. But gee whiz, she's just forever running on, isn't she? She, she certainly <laughs> Maybe is. Maybe my second girlfriend too. I, <laughs> and I have your first girlfriend <laughs> listening this morning. <laughs> That, that, no, she's, she's probably banned me long ago. Whatever, whatever happens uh, in the next 15 minutes, that will go down as the line of the day. <laughs> OK, we have done Royal Ramwick and we've done Caulfield. Getting back to the most important things, the punt, we've got the uh, Tearoa Fields here, race 8 today, ZS8 at 2.12 Queensland time, 1.42 SA. Uh, very flash, race 8, number 3, $3.70 the current price. You've got the tip here on Past the Post. Just before we go to a break, 
Of course, Past the Post brought to you by Archer Park Racing. I was up at Archer Park on Thursday. Wonderful setup. Uh, tranquil up there in Woodford. A great place to spell your horses or have them pre-trained. But I can tell you, Past the Post has got its name through. It's there is a horse called Past the Post. Oh wow, that's huge news! Thanks for the invite too. That was, that was terrific to go up there with you. Too busy. Never, you obviously the text message never came through. You haven't got my number. Nothing. All all, all you need to provide now is the money for the share. <laughs> no, I'm completely cast. We'll work on that during the break. Back to have a look at the Gold Coast next. This is Past the Post, brought to you by Archer Park Racing, taking racing ownership to the next level. And as we keep telling you, go to the website archerparkracing.com.au. All the horses they have, whether it's older horses, younger horses, but most importantly, we're now coming to the two-year-old season. There's many, many two-year-olds there that uh, there are shares available. They're being named now, so you'll see their name up on the website, all the details, who's training them, what their breeding is. archerparkracing.com.au. Big day at the Gold Coast yesterday, Pink Ribbon Cup Day. Let's go to the Pink Ribbon Cup. Miami Flies was not only a hot favourite, but a well-backed hot favourite at $1.50. Up to the turn, just over 400 left to run, and Miami Flies is in behind Siesta Key. A rails run might be coming. It is now. Siesta Key shifted its ground. Miami Flies slipped up on the inside. Dash for Dreams going with Miami Flies. The Enterprise Karen, the Pines, Archana right down the outside. Miami Flies below the 200 metres. Hands and heels currently slips away to a clear lead. The favourite of the hundreds in front, and going for home, going further ahead and Miami Flies, a nasty start, but a great finish. Wins the Pink Ribbon Cup, beats the Pines Enterprise, Karen, and Dash for Dreams, then Scottish Mist, followed by at the head of the other centre fire, then Champagne Artie, Siesta Key, and Archana pulling up towards the tail in 116-16. The only person in the world who didn't like or didn't tip Miami Flies was myself, and uh, it was one of those days yesterday, but I thought at the start, hello, jumped uh, in last position, but... She was the best horse in the race, and she clearly proved it. Tony Gollan joins us. Tony, good morning. Good morning. Now, the start was nasty, as I said in the broadcast there, but um, I think we've got to give Steph Thornton a lot of credit here because, you know, when you're on a short price favourite and that happens, uh, it's not an easy time for the jockey, and she didn't put a foot wrong after that. No, nah, she did. It sort of didn't pan out, obviously, as we, as we expected um, when he stepped away like that, so... Made life a little bit harder, but she adapted well, Steph, and she was able to really get up in that trailing position, which I was never, ever worried if I had to trail a field with her, but I didn't really want to be in that position yesterday where we where we stepped that slow. And I, I suppose, funny, out of a lot of you know, what looked uh, uh, an awkward uh, beginning, uh, she has travelled off the speed, so we've seen that yesterday, and she was strong to the line at 1,300 metres, so you would have taken a lot out of yesterday's win. Yeah, I did. There's a lot of good taken out of it. There's also a lot of, still a lot of work to do as well. She was wanting to lay in, you know, when she went to take that run to the inside, she was a bit unsure of them horses to her outside, which is all part of learning. So, look, I suggest she's got really good improvement, you know, to come with her racing manners and the way she's going about things. And I said that the other day when she won a doom, and she's nowhere near the finished product. And when she becomes that finished product, she's going to be a really good mare. Do you raise the bar with her at some point, Tony? I mean, obviously you do, but what's what's the future hold? You, you're still working her out a bit, and, and but clearly she's got you know plenty of talent. Yeah, look, I think she's still working it all out, you know, to be fair, Ben. She's sort of a little bit unsure of herself and probably a lot of different rider changes on her due to weight and claiming races and et cetera, et cetera. So, you know, I think a bit of rider continuity will, will certainly help her. Um it's mainly just the getaway, what's concerning me at the moment. The laying in and taking a sit, I was never too concerned that we couldn't sort of 
you know, uh, fix that little area of it. So, look, I'm happy with the versatility. I just want to get her out the gates a little bit cleaner, and once we do that, I think we'll be on, on the mark. But at this point in time, probably just keeping her here. COVID makes travelling, you know, when you sort of can't get away yourself a lot of the time, makes travelling that little bit trickier. So I think we'll leave her here. I think the summer carnival is a good option for her. I was saying yesterday that uh, in her two wins at Doom and both times she's broken 1-9 for the 1,200. That time yesterday, 116-16. Now, she's about a second outside of uh, the, the the class record, which is generally set in that in that Phillies and Mare's Magic Million race. So, again, she's run time yesterday and she keeps hitting the right ticks there. Yeah, she does. I, you know, I read a lot of stuff about her pre-race yesterday and a lot of the form guys say it's pretty true. She can sort of carve out sectionals early mid-race and late. That's why I've, every time she's sort of running, they're, they're always pretty good overall time races. Um, but what I'm liking, she's starting to really conserve herself a bit, so every run's not a hard run. She still had a bit of a blow yesterday. I think it's more just the uh, unfamiliar circumstance of yesterday's race probably just made a blow a little bit after the event. But otherwise, you know, I, I think she's coming along really, really well. And Summer Carnival is a really good carnival to, you know, a few lengths back from our winter. I think she can continue to learn. She can be a really good horse this summer and hopefully there on Magic Means Day. And the move is a horse, uh, obviously, with the future as well, strung together four in a row yesterday. I'm pretty sure I didn't hear it myself, but someone mentioned to me that pre-race in your stable video, which is a terrific uh, watch and a terrific tool for punters too, you sort of said you, you couldn't really split Sugar Boom and, and the move, but the move started at $1.80 and, and did the job Sugar Boom um, you know, was was well beaten. Yeah, Sugar Boom's a bit of a worry, to be honest. I, I wouldn't have had her been slow away like that. She's always had the habit of wanting to kick out a little bit in the gates. And just yesterday, she kicked out right at the right the wrong time when the gates opened. So that's probably put her on the back foot then, so to drive through. And obviously, there was always going to be pressure in the race. That was evident, you know, before the race. You knew the types of horses that were in it. There was always going to be pressure. But her out of attribute sugar burden is obviously stepping away and then just going straight onto that speed. But yesterday, she had to be forced to make that speed. Which I think took it out of her, but she was she was also give up quite quick that last half furlong. So I suggest we haven't seen her at her best yesterday. So she'll go we're back to the drawing board with her. She'll have a short break, and you know I'm hopeful her best racing is not in her past, but I'm slightly worried now as a mare, um, mm. been racing since she was a two-year-old filly. She gave up quite quick, so I think Sugar Boom at her best would have would have probably tested him yesterday at the 900. I think there's no doubt about that. I think Sugar Boom at her best is probably better than King Claws and. He, he um, sort of tested him to a degree, but he was awfully good late move, and that's probably the best we've got to see him yesterday because of the way we're able to ride him. It's the first time we've drawn a barrier, and he's really starting to become the full package. Yeah, he is He is working into a really, really furnishing into a, a nice product. But what intrigues me, what puzzles me about the move, you know, we talk about this horse, that horse, we say it's a Magic Minions horse, it's this, it's that. Is there a big race that the move can win? Uh, the distance is going to be the query, isn't yeah. it? That's what we're sort of worried about. You know, he's got to probably get to the six furlong to win a really good race. He won't travel away either. He'll wait for the summer. What part of the summer he takes part in, I'm not sure. Obviously, my target now, off a, you know, I think it's a 10-week break now, will be the Swiss Ace, the Sunshine mm. Coast. And it's going to be a very good race, even just knowing what other horses. From my stable, I've got in, let alone other stables. So I do style, et cetera, I'll resume in that race too. So... Yeah, we're going to sort of see where he sits there, but you know, he might be a horse if his rating can get up. You know, he might head to the world. He ever gets back to some sort of normality where we can move around a little bit easier. You know, maybe Oakley Plate. Yeah. I don't know. You know, does, does he get out to twelve hundred? I'm not sure, but we're starting to see the picture of him yesterday. Now he's starting to settle beautifully in his racer with a bit of cover. I suggest when he's gone to twelve hundred earlier, he's been just doing things a little bit too much mid race, making himself vulnerable. 
I don't think that's going to... I'm hopeful that won't be the case now. And uh, Bonham yesterday, Tony, obviously your group one... Awful. Uh, yeah, awful. Um, yeah, it's awful. Uh, 1,200, obviously, well, short of the best, probably wants a wet track, but apart from, any, apart any from awful, what can you tell us? She wouldn't have wanted any further. Yes, we were beaten further. She was <laughs> um, yeah, she was got into an awkward spot the way the track was playing by that race. Obviously, a bit of rain during the day, like Melbourne, and her sun was out and it was raining, so it's a bizarre city, as we know. Um, three back defence, just in an awful, awkward sort of spot. Um, John McNeil sort of indicated that she probably didn't really like Caulfield. She changed leg when she on straightening, just got very awkward in her action then, and just didn't appear to want to stretch out then after that. So she's trotted up sound. We've got a few more tests on her after today, but. I must admit, Melbourne's been awfully unkind to me in the last two weeks. So we just got to, you know, do things. Probably I don't know whether we can do things any better. Or Caulfield's always been hard for horses their first go, but having a lot of experience on that Melbourne leg, I didn't think it'd be the case for her. But he just felt that she didn't get around the tighter track. She's got a massive big stride. Whether it was a tight track and being right over inside horses when she won in Group One, she was three wide outside them, no cover. So. Maybe there's more of a pattern in the way I ride her. I wasn't able to do anything different yesterday after that inside draw, but maybe there's a different way we've got to execute on race day. And just a quick word on Jonker. Yeah, a couple of little things with Jonker. Nothing nothing major. Um, a little bit of pain in our find Fetlock when we got him back to Sydney and checked in. We couldn't sort of find that in Melbourne. I'm not sure where we go with him now. It's a tough time in the spring, and I'm coming off a below-par effort for many reasons first up. So I'm just not sure where, where, he, where he sits at the moment, Jonka. The Manicata is where I always wanted to go, and we may go there six weeks between runs, which wouldn't be an issue for a horse like him. Good on you, mate. Always good to talk to you. Thanks, guys. Cheers. Tony Gollan joining us this morning. Uh, successful with Miami Flies and the move. Yeah, great honesty there too from Tony, wasn't it? Awful. I mean, that's um, yeah, not something an owner wants to hear and the trainer doesn't want to say to himself. But, you know, you love brutal honesty from trainers and you got a right there from Tony Gollan. Yeah, I, I've got... I was a, a, a knocker of the move. Well, the like, reason being was I backed it on its maiden on its first time I got beaten. So there's another punning story that mm. you, know, you get sour on them. But I was thinking when I was saying, what's a good race for the move? Because I've got still a little doubt about 1,200. I reckon Tony has as well. So he must have been thinking in his mind, what's the best 1,100-metre race in Australia? The Oakley Plate. <laughs> and it is. Or the Galaxy in Sydney. So uh, I, I think this horse can keep on going along the path. I think he can keep... Keep, if they keep raising the bar, I think he'll handle it. He's in, in dynamic form at the moment. Speaking about horses in dynamic form, let's go to our next replay and our next guest coming up. We had a smart one was chasing seven straight in the Birkbeck Jewelers Handicap. In the straight, we own a smart one, leagues away. Tremonto giving its head on the outside. is trying to come after this leader, but we own a smart one's going pretty well for Maloney. Tremonto won't give up on the outside. They're clear of Dipmas running on, but we own a smart one. Look at him go now. He's extending. Tremonto, he can't match him. Dipmas runs on powerfully. We own a smart one in front. He'll win. Tremonto came again, ran second, but it's seven in a row. Do we own a smart one? Dipmas a good third. Potro Duro fourth. Then Sehaya Kabirian. And the last couple over the line. Word Nordic Show at Alexa in one ten oh six. Yes, we own a smart one, achieving seven straight. David Van Dyke is his trainer, and he's our final guest on Past the Post. David, good morning. Good morning. Tell us what happened. I think most were expecting him to to ping out and get across the lead comfortably. It didn't pan out that way. Just what happened in that first two hundred metres? Oh, look, I think um, Ryan came out on him just to even. Mm. and um, he didn't want to stir him up too much because he, he just does have a history of putting that head up and over racing. He was mindful of that, and he thought he'd 
uh, probably get across to the lead a bit easier than what he did. So when they kicked up a little bit inside him, he didn't want to sort of dig him, uh, knowing his history. So he just allowed the horse to just build momentum, and he ended up getting across. And and uh, yeah, once he got to the lead, it uh, it was an easy job. Dave, it must have given him an, an extra tick because over a hot dog on the Gold Coast uh, pre-race yesterday, we were having a chat about this race, and, and you were just a tiny bit concerned he could be vulnerable a little bit to Tremonto, but, but you know, held that horse at bay um, and went on with his winning ways. Yes, look, Tremonto um, is a good horse. I mean, it carried a kilo more than Desert Lord and got within the neck of it um, in what was a fast-run race, a real test and that was at listed level. Um, we own a smart one and never competed at that grade, and uh, he had to give Tremonto a kilo, and I thought, well, you know, this is uh, a test that he hasn't had before. Uh, I know he's run time, but he hasn't, in my opinion, been against a horse like Tremonto, and it was just nice to see that, uh, you know, he, he held that horse um, uh, nicely. Am I right in saying we go to a, an open class race in a fortnight with We Own a Smart One? Oh, look, I was toying with the idea, but it's 1,050. Okay. And I've run him over 1,200 first and second up. I don't want to teach him bad habits going back to the 1,050. The only options past there are at Eagle Farm, and I'm not in love with running him there. Uh so I really don't know what to do with him. I mean, there's an there's an eighty thousand dollar open at Port Macquarie in three weeks, which I'm considering. Uh, there'll be some horses coming from different jurisdictions for that. It should be strong enough so that he gets in with a reasonable weight. But of course, we've got to get him down to Port Macquarie, and with the COVID um, restrictions, uh, that may not be an easy task. So. Um, I'm not sure where we go yet. If he'd sort of been dominant yesterday and, you know, one by five and ran a slashing time, then I guess we've got to seriously look at um, the carnival down, carnivals down south, Sydney or Melbourne. But off the back of that performance yesterday, it was a good solid effort, but I don't think it's one that we could go down to stakes races and be confident. And, David, you, you're... Arguably, your most exciting galloper, Orbison. We were talking the the other day. Uh, he's now. Uh, we won't see him uh, until autumn. Um, uh, can you just run us through the the latest there? Yes. Look, uh, he had some hind limb lameness, and uh, that held up his preparation. As such, uh, when we brought him back, we we were going to miss the spring. Um, we're going to be on the back end of it. I had a good chat to Jan McMillan. Uh, she's nice and patient, um, terrific owner. And she said, look, if, if he's only going to be racing during the summer, um, why don't we just wait, give him a good long break and set him up for hopefully a successful autumn. And he wasn't born until November, so really he's not even four by birth date. And he's the sort of horse that's going to really come into his own as a as a four four and five year old. So I think you'll see a better horse in the autumn. Just before we go, we were talking to Tony Gollan about Miami Flies. I mentioned that she's a mare that can regularly run time. I think that's the hallmark of good gallopers. 
this fellow falls into the same category. I think we discussed this on Press Room a few weeks ago, but it's worth repeating. 56.87 at the Sunshine Coast. They rarely break 57. Uh, broke 1.4 at Doombin. Round 1.93 on, on Witter's track. And then round 1.866 there the other day. Yesterday was tradesman-like. I agree with you. But those uh, performances show that he can regularly run time. And I think that gets a really big tick. Yes, and his last 600 yesterday was was very good. And uh, he, you know, he really wasn't tested. He could have run a lot quicker. So um, you're right. It was um, it was a good effort on the clock, and and this horse is set for um, a bright future. We've just got to work out which direction it is. Yeah, hundred percent. Desert Lord Wheatwood next week. That on the on the on the agenda. Yes, happy with him. He he trialled terrific at Durban last week. He's just got to get around Toowoomba. But he's an adaptable horse, and um, yeah, he he'll run well. Always appreciate your time. Thanks, mate. Thank you. David Van Dyke joining us this morning. I must have woken up with a pumpkin on my head yesterday instead of my normal head because there's another one I didn't tip. We had a smart one. I admit, I thought uh, we had a smart one was probably just a little short in the market. And especially when I talked to David pre-race, as I said, over a hot dog, it was delicious hot dog. It was an American hot dog, uh, onion, cheese, bacon. It was just outstanding. But anyway, I, I, I digress. He, he, he seriously was worried that that horse was vulnerable. Oh, I, I backed him on and, and I've got to say, and uh, Jay Guthman-Chester actually had the opportunity to keep out We Own a Smart One, but he let We Own a Smart One go, and then it just coasted in front. So maybe if he had the right over again, he might have been a bit more positive and kept it one wide. May still have got beaten, but only got beaten the neck at the end. It wasn't like like it was a funny race. I thought we had a smart one, and you can even hear in the call was going to burn away. But on the line, Tremonto was coming again. Maybe he was easing up on we had a smart one. We could discuss it for a hundred hours, and we'd get nowhere. No, if you pay me more money, I'll discuss it for a hundred hours. I can't you pay you anything after yesterday. I've had a very <laughs> ordinary day on the the punt. It well, happens, but yesterday was one of them. Well, we've got the Queensland Racing Awards tonight. That'll be uh, that'll be a good function. I'm at your table, I think, David. I'm I'm a little bit. I uh, just don't know how the barrier draw is going to fall with the table. Seats. You reckon you and I will we be on opposite sides of the table yes, next to each other? Uh, we'll be on opposite sides. Well, that'll just mean you have to look at me all night. That's probably not <laughs> ideal for, for you or me. I'll be sitting around looking at the stage most of the night. <laughs> so, so all you see is my, I was going to say my ball there, but you're going that way as well. Actually, going that way. I've been that way. What, are you presenting awards tonight? Or no, not tonight. Nothing. I'm a, no, I'm just a guest. I'm just a guest. Hey, uh, thanks for your time. Now, don't have too late a night because uh, you've got to be right for press room in the morning. Nah, I'm sure I'll be fine. I'm an experienced campaigner at this sort of uh, this sort of caper. Good on you, mate. Ben Dorries joining us. And thanks for your company as well, folks. Uh, we've had a busy morning, plenty of happening, of course, and that's going to be the case right through for the next couple of months. I'll talk to you on press room tomorrow morning. We'll have all of our regular panellists as we discuss what happened on the weekend and what's happening in the week ahead. Enjoy your day. Bye-bye.